to get into what the Lord has for us today. Yes, so am I. Would you grab your Bibles and hold them high? We're going to seek the Lord together. This is going to be as much of a journey for me as it is for you. You know, as a preacher of the Word of God, you could ask anyone. Sometimes you get your messages early on, and sometimes they come in the late hour, and you wonder, what is the Lord doing, and what does He want to communicate? I told you to put, you can put your Bibles down for a minute, but <laughs> what. What every minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and every minister of the word needs to do is seek the Lord for the fresh word for his people. And so this is going to be a journey today that we're going to discover together. In fact, we're actually going to read a lot of scripture today. We're going to study the Bible in our time together. And uh, can you hang with me as we do that? Okay, some of you are ready, some of you are not so sure. Now you can grab your Bibles and hold them high. Let's go before the Lord right now. Say this with me, Father in heaven, thank you for this word. It is the absolute truth, and I believe it. It is your personal love letter to me, and I receive it. It's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues. Lord, today... My ears are ready to hear your word. My heart is ready to receive your word. And I, by faith, am ready to be a doer of the word, no matter what comes my way. Now, fathers, we approach your word today. Our hearts are hungry as we sang about, Lord, we want to know you. We want to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. And as we discover your word together, as we read your word together, we know that you said you would take your law and write it on our hearts. You take your word and command and write it on our hearts so that we have the heart of God. Lord, let us together have the heart of God today as we search your scriptures to know you. I ask that I would only say what you would have me say, only do what you would have me do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all who agreed said, amen. Amen. Over the past several months in my personal journey, um, you know, we've been reading the scripture for such a long time. And how many of you have been reading the scripture for at least more than a year? Let me see your hands. You know, something happens. It's, It's two things happen when you read the scripture for a long period of time. The first thing is that you always get some new revelation. You're like, I read that before, but I never saw it. You know what I'm talking about? But the other thing is that sometimes we just quickly gloss over these words in the scripture and we forget the power that is within them. And several months ago, I began to read something that was extremely supernatural. You know, the Bible is filled with supernatural, truthful accounts of our history as followers of God and as followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm reading this story and I just stopped and I was jolted. I don't even know what it was, but I was jolted. And I thought to myself, do I actually believe that that happened? Do I actually believe that that happened? Because we live in this really fast-paced world. And it's like, I'm reading something that seems so impossible. Do I actually believe that that took place? And that moment of pause caused me to change the way that I read the scripture. And I've read the scripture for years like many of you. But I was reading this powerful, supernatural experience and I thought, wow, did that, did that actually happen? It was like this aha moment and it began to sink in my spirit and I began to realize, well, wait a minute. 
If that happened, right, and Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, then why am I just reading about these things in the Old and the New Testament? And why am I not seeing these things right here and right now under a better covenant? Why do I not see that? And you know, that is a question for the hungry and thirsty in the 21st century. Why? But God is looking for those who will ask that question, why? Because now you're on the road to discover and uncover what God wants to do in the now. Right now, I'm discovering, whether I'm searching my own heart or talking with people, I'm realizing, wow, we have no problem reading the scripture. And we talk about the awesome things that God did. And we look forward in Revelation to the awesome things that God will do. But I'm telling you, church, there exists a gap today because we have not seen that he is the God who is right here and now. We come, we profess, we confess, we live. But there's something that has to go off in our hearts to realize he's the God of now. It's not just what he did. It's not just what he's going to do. But he is the God of right now. He is the God who is. And I'm telling you what he is looking for is people who are willing to take him at his word. Nothing pleases the father more than to see somebody say, I will grab hold of what you said. I will believe it until the end, whether I see it or not. God says, I will show myself strong to that person. And I'm going to show you that in scripture as we read through today. And I began to ache and my heart aches because I can see this gap. I know it's not for everybody. There are those, please understand me. There are those who are passionately pursuing Jesus. So if you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Hear me. The church at large, the church at large all over the world is being lulled to sleep by our adversary, by our enemy. We're caught up. We're trying to be just like the world. We don't look like the world. We're never going to look like the world. Why are we trying? Let's be who Jesus made us to be. Let's love as he loved. Let's call as he called. Let's do what he's called us to do. It's okay if we don't look like them. Because they need to see something different. Everybody looks like the world. I'm telling you, nothing wrong with smoking lights. We don't need smoking lights when we got the Holy Spirit moving in our time together. When there's a river of living water flowing out of this sanctuary, you don't need to go out and grab people and come in. They will come because they're hearing about this Jesus. Think about the woman at the well. Think about the scriptures that we have read year upon year, month upon month, day after day. And our hearts long as followers of Christ, our hearts long. And we say, oh God, now, yes, now. He's looking for those who are hungry and thirsty and are willing to be dissatisfied with what you see right now. And will hunger and thirst for something greater. Are you dry? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Good. Hit your face on the floor, on your knees, and begin to seek the Lord. That's where it begins. That's where it happens. Get on your face. Read the word because he wants to show you. Listen, every single one of us have been designed and crafted with a perfect, unique purpose. And those of us who are aching and depressed and weary and caught up in all sorts of things is because we haven't yet discovered that unique purpose that God has for us and his great plan that he has not just for us, but through us. 
You know, I don't like to think, I can't get this image out of my head. It's not a game, but I often think about chess pieces. Just hear me, follow me for a second. Jesse, where's Jesse? He knows where I'm going. I often think about chess pieces. They're all on the board, but they each have a specific function. Okay, they've all been crafted, in many cases, handcrafted for a specific reason. And the pawns, when they do their job to the best of their ability, the pawns get to go all the way to the other side and receive the power of the queen, which is the greatest on the board. Okay, that'll preach all day long. Okay, the rook, the knight, the bishop, they all have their part to play. And when they play it effectively, and yes, there is sacrifice, but when they play it effectively, they're able to accomplish and win the game. We have a unique function, each and every one of us, that God has handcrafted. Ephesians 3 tells us that. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are his poema. We are his artistry to the world so that they can see, wow, that person is very unique. What is it about them? Why do they always smile? I've seen all the things come against them. What is it? And they begin to discover it's Jesus Christ on the inside of you because you know the greater one is living within you. And I'm calling out today, church, on behalf of the Lord to say God is looking. He is looking for those who are ready to answer that call. It's okay if you're feeling weak, worn out, and weary. It's okay if you're tired of playing church and you're looking for something different because that is actually the hunger and thirst that is needed to know the Lord God Almighty. That is what is needed when the scripture talks about hungering and thirsting. Are you ready to get into some holy scripture today? Come on, let's do this. Go with me to the book of 2 Chronicles. We are going to study two gentlemen today. One you may be more familiar with. His name is Gideon. We'll get to him in just a minute. But the other gentleman we're going to discover is a man by the name of Asa. And he is king over Judah. He reigns for 40 years. And in his reign, we read some pretty powerful things. But there's a few things I want to show you. We are going to do some time walking through the scriptures together. So I've given the media guys all the scriptures. Just follow with me. If you could go to, actually, I have it here. We're going to go to Gideon first. I apologize. Can you go to Judges chapter 6? Judges chapter 6. Judges comes right after Joshua. We're going to talk about a man named Gideon. I love Gideon, and in fact, I often find myself... Do you ever read the scripture and find yourself right there within those people? You're like, oh man, that's so me right now. And it's like, wow, God is so cool. He has all these different people in the scripture, even the ones who really, really messed up. So for those of us who really, really messed up, we know that there's hope. So it's great. It's great. So what's going on here, let me just lay the backstory for you. The, the Israel is divided. You have two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, and you have the rest of the 10 tribes. And they are scattered. And this has come as a result of prophecy because these people are stiff-necked people and they will not seek the Lord together. But every so often there arises a king. In fact, as you read through the book of Kings and Chronicles, you begin to discover, you read one chapter after the next and it says, this king rose up and he either honored the Lord and obeyed the Lord and tore down the high places or he didn't. It is just systematically all the way through. And then we get to this guy whose name is Gideon. And he is, actually, I'm telling you the story of Asa. Let's get back to Gideon here. I'm all confused. uh, Gideon. I'm so excited for Asa, what happens, but I have to lay the foundation with. So the Midianites have come and they have overrun the children of Israel. Okay. And so they are robbing everything 
from these children of Israel, and, uh, and Gideon is actually afraid. You're going to find him. You, you all probably know the backstory. Let's pick up in chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress. Here's the reason why. To hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, the reason why is every time the harvest came, the Midianites came all the way through and stripped the harvest. And you know, that is the enemy trying to work in our lives today. Every time we reap a harvest, the enemy wants to be right there to come and strip it all the way through. But God is looking. He is looking for those who are faithful and will hold fast to his word. And you're going to watch him move mightily here. In verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. You know, that'll preach right there because Gideon's hiding and the angel's calling him a mighty man of valor. And I will tell you, God is the one who calls those things that be not as though they were. And so far be it for us to ever look at a person and call them what we see instead of calling them what God says about them. Don't call out those weaknesses. Don't hyper-focus on those weaknesses. You call them what God calls them. You say to them the name that God says to them, because that's the way he sees each and every one of us. In verse 13, Gideon said, oh my Lord, and the, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where, watch this, where are all his miracles? which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might, reaffirming, excuse me, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan, the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. So if you can find yourself in that person right there, there's a hope for you. Verse 16, and the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and shall defeat the Midianites as one man. God doesn't mince his words here. Everything he is saying is so specific and so particular. But I want to draw your attention to Gideon's response. Because keep in mind, Gideon is living a time, living at a time where he has not seen the move of God. In fact, it's been so long since the move of God that he goes all the way back to Egypt and says, didn't our fathers tell us about the God who brought us out of Egypt? In verse 13, he says right here, and where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring you out of Egypt? I got to tell you today, church, that there is a generation right now who is hiding. There's a generation right now who is hiding, and they're asking that question. Where is this God that I read about in the scripture? And we look at them, and we may be saying, you're getting stuck in your phone. You're getting stuck in your social media. None of that stuff matters. You need to pull yourself out. And all the while, we're trying to help them and prescribe and and make a way for them. All the while, they're hiding, and they're crying out, saying, where are these miracles of this God that you're telling me about? I don't even see them at work in your life, because just like with Gideon, there is, I'm sorry, church, a generation of fathers who have tolerated complacent work. And we see that with Gideon here. Gideon's next move, as soon as the Lord speaks to him, is he goes to his father's house and tears down the high places. 
And see, unfortunately, we have allowed our children to go astray. I'm talking to the church here, folks. We have allowed our children to go astray because we have tolerated false gods in our life. We have tolerated. We can't look at anybody else. All we can do is look at us. We have tolerated false gods. We have tolerated false idols. And we, church, have tolerated complacent worship. But you know what? God is the God who was, the God who is, and the God who ever will be. And he's looking. And if he finds us hungry and thirsty, he will move. But I'm telling you, don't judge this generation because they're simply hiding. They're hiding and they're crying. Saying, where is this God you talk about? Where is this God you dance for when you go to church? Where is this God amidst all your smoke and lights? Does he actually work in your life? They're hungry. They're thirsty. And we're calling them names. Far be it. Why? These are our children and our grandchildren. And we have to join with them and tear down those high places that we have tolerated. Let's look at what Gideon does here. I'm talking to myself. We're talking to everybody today. I told you this is a journey for all of us. So Gideon, in verse 25, now it came to pass. Now I just, I think about this because we, gotta, we have to jump into this story. We can't just say we're reading something in the Old Testament. We have to be willing to look at our own lives and take inventory. Gideon is a follower of God, part of the tribe of Israel, okay? And his father is too. And look at what has snuck in into his father's house. Now it came to pass, verse 25, the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull and the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men. Okay, now Gideon has seen, he's already gone through these things and asked the Lord to reveal himself and now he has seen. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord said to him. But because he feared his father's household, the men of the city and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. But you know what? God still worked. God still worked. But I want you to catch what's going on here. Gideon's father is technically a follower of God. And yet somehow this artificial worship, this idol has taken place, has come into his life. And I think it's really, really important. This scripture exists not just to encourage us, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will come and convict, not condemn. But we have got to take inventory. When people look at us, do they look at us and say, oh yeah, you're just like me, you know? Or is there a difference about us? Are our houses filled with praise and worship? Are our houses filled with studying the word? Or is the TV on all day long? Are the YouTubes on all day long? Listen, it's convenient. It's convenient, but it's not drawing us closer to the Lord. And I've got to tell you, if you could peer into the enemy's curtain, if you could pull back his curtain, he's doing it on purpose. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, he's lulling the church to sleep. How could there be a great falling away? Read your scripture. It's talked about in the book of Matthew, the great apostasy. How could a great group of followers of Jesus Christ fall away? Because they're deceived. And we have to take inventory on our own lives. 
and go through and say, what is it in our lives, in our daily homes? Because we're looking, and, and not every child that goes astray is the parent's fault. I know that. I was a child who went astray. But what are we fostering in our homes? Is there artificial worship in our homes? I think we ought to take a moment and take stock and inventory and say, God, do you reign in this house? Do we turn to you? Do we yield to you? Or are there other voices? There are many voices, but none, and none without significance. What voice is recycling all day in your house? I had a great conversation with somebody, and they were talking about a backsliding Christian. And this backsliding Christian is all over the media, and they love what they're doing. And I won't speak against anybody, but I want to tell you this. <laughs> there can be an appearance of God. There can be a form of godliness without any power. And I'm telling you, there are the former backslidden Christians who are out there in the world today. And it didn't work for them because they wouldn't submit to God and to his timing. But the enemy was right there to say, come, I'll give you away. And they're out there and they're promoting evil. Let the universe guide you. They're teaching our, the voice. Just turn on American Idol and I hear this former person who was a follower of Jesus Christ leading worship is now leading a generation. And no, and I'm hearing Christians who are saying, oh, isn't that great? That person's so positive. Forget your positivity. Give me Jesus Christ and the Holy Word. I don't care about your positivity. Positivity is not going to raise you from the dead. Positivity is not going to heal your broken body. The scripture of the living God is going to raise you from the dead. The scripture of the living God is going to heal your broken body. It's God, his word, his spirit flowing through us. Listen, I'm preaching to me as much to you as I am to you, but I'm telling you, if we don't take stock, if we don't take inventory, we are going to be held accountable to the Lord when we stand before him. And it's great to have comfort on this earth, but you and I, we're not aiming for the things on this earth. Paul talks about that. We set our mind on the things that are above, knowing that the things of this earth are temporary. So why am I setting my mark on the things that are here? The best inheritance that I could leave for my children is not monetary. The best inheritance that I could leave for my grandchildren is not monetary, but it is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ that will propel them to great success in this earth for success for the kingdom of God and not for themselves. And that is what we need to do. So we have this guy Gideon here and we see him and I'm telling you, church, he's representing the generation of today. Call them the millennials, call them whatever, but they're crying out. We're calling them names. We're running research statistics. The world, if you haven't realized it, the world is looking on how to use them. So we as the church need to look to how to save them. Just like Gideon rose up, there's a Gideon that's rising up among this generation. And they're saying, I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired the way that our former fathers did it and everyone else did it. I want this thing. If God is real, I want to see him in my life and I want to see him right now. And sometimes we look at that and we say, oh, that's too arrogant for God. But I will tell you what, when that's faith and when you put that on the Lord, the covenant responsibility activates and God will show himself to you. He will. That is what it's all about. He will. That is who he is. But he's looking for those who are willing to believe. You know, the people came to Jesus 
And they said to him, what must we do to do the works of God? Jesus said, the work of God is to believe in the one whom he has sent. There's a change that needs to happen in our believing. We need to believe every time we read the scripture that it's not just something that God did. That it's not just something that God will someday do, but it's something that God desires to do for you and for me right now here on this earth, right now in our time. All right, that's enough about Gideon. Let's go over to Asa. Let's go to the book of 2 Chronicles. Now We're going to discover here what I promised to you. So again, Israel is divided. You have these two tribes, and you have the latter ten tribes. And again, as you read through Second Chronicles, you see time and again that somebody rises to power, and they either honor the Lord. Maybe they honor the Lord, but they don't tear down the high places. Maybe they honor the Lord, and they tear down the high places. But we go systematically from one king to another to discover who these people are and what they did. And all of it has a purpose. But I want to pick up in Second Chronicles chapter 14. And I want to go to verse 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Actually, we'll pick up in verse 2. So Asa, 2 Chronicles 14, 2. So Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah And the kingdom was quiet under him. I just want you to see. Those three verses are all about what he did to remove false worship from Judah. So before we are too quick to think that we don't have false worship in our life, it creeps in really easily. And we just read three verses and every one of those verses was all about what he did to remove false worship. So we may have to take those steps and we may have to seek the Lord and say, God, what is false in my life? What am I tolerating that I'm, I'm letting my children sit under? Am I letting my children sit under these voices from the world? Or are they actively hearing the voice of God in their life? And it's a challenging question. So verse six says, and he built and fortified the city of Judah. I wanna jump down to verse 18 because here's what I wanna pick up. Uh, excuse me, verse eight, excuse me, verse eight. And Asa had an army of 300,000. Everyone say 300,000. 300, say it again. That's going to be important. Remember that, okay? Asa had an army of about 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears. spears. And Benjamin, he had 280,000. Everyone say 280,000. All right, so let's just do some quick math. How many? You guys are awesome. 580,000. All right, so we got five. Everyone say 580,000 troops. Has anyone in this room ever seen 580,000 troops? No, I haven't either. You all think that's a big number? I think that's a big number too. Everyone say, that's a big number. Awesome. I agree with you. So let's keep reading. Who drew the bows, and these were mighty men of valor. Everyone say, mighty men. Mighty men. Then Zerah, 
the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men. 300 chariots, and he came to Marishah. Okay, so let's go back to our math, right? Everyone say 580,000. It's a big group, right? Okay, how many does the Ethiopian have? One million plus 300 chariots. Okay, big group, right? Anyone in this room ever seen a million foot soldiers? Me either. Can't even imagine what that looks like. Million foot soldiers plus the chariots. This is war. I mean, actually, this is not war. This is obliteration. We are going to destroy you, overrun you, and take everything you possibly have and leave nothing alive. So look at what happens here. Then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of one million men and 300 chariots and came to Marishah. So Asa went out against him and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephatha. Zephatha and Marishah. Okay. Let's take this line by line. Asa just has his troops. They're always ready. These are valiant men, and they're always ready to fight. The Ethiopian and his 1 million plus 300 come out. Asa's first move, first move is to get in battle array. I just want you to watch what's happening here. His very first move was to get into the battle array, to get ready to fight, but they did not. Lift the sword. Look at this now. So Asa went out against him and they set the troops, troops in battle array in the valley. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God. Watch what he says. And said, God, Lord, it is nothing for you to help. Whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. And in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord our God, do not let man prevail against you. Oh my, do we realize what we just read? Asa was a godly man who began to realize or who clearly knew the covenant relationship that he had with his God. And this army of one million did not come out against 580,000, but came out against the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, with whom nobody can withstand. And he said, they cannot prevail against you, O God. You. Man, that's powerful. It's so many things are coming up against God's church today. And we are cowering before them. We are cowering because it seems so big. But really all we need to do is stand fast. Having done all to stand, stand fast. Lift our eyes and hands to the Lord and say, Oh God, it's nothing for you. It is nothing for you because they haven't come out against us. They've come out against you. There is a war on the church of God. There is an antichrist who is rising. It will happen. It will happen. And we have to be mindful. Guys, we read the scriptures. We don't fight against flesh and blood. But we need to know how to respond. And the only way to know how to respond is to set our face to seek the Lord. To stand and to set our face to seek the Lord. So God moves in a miraculous way. So the Lord struck, verse 12, so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. 
And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown. I mean, this is a million, man. This is awesome. The Ethiopians were overthrown and they could not recover. For they were broken before the Lord and his army. And they carried away very much spoil. Then they defeated all the cities of Gerar for, those, for, for the fear of the Lord came upon them and they plundered all the cities for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. They also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep, camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. Now the one thing I do want to make clear to you is that in the Old Testament, God was was uh, dealing with people in that one particular way that he had to. And so obviously you read a lot about the spoils and all the things that they are recovering. There was very much spoil. Friends, our spoil today is souls. When we rock the kingdom of the enemy, when we come against the kingdom of the enemy, what we get as spoil is souls for the kingdom of God. Because the scripture tells us, Jesus himself said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So we don't fight flesh and blood. And when we go out, we need to know we're calling that spirit what it is and we're calling it out and we're coming against it with the Holy Spirit of God who is in his church and who is moving. So it's not this fight. We don't have to fight. We don't have to do that. We have to stand fast, hold fast in our confession of faith. And we need to seek the Lord. We need to set our face to seek the Lord. Even on your daily routine, God, I'm in the workplace and I've got this going on. I've got this person. I don't even know how to deal with all these agendas that are encroaching on me every single day. I'm doing everything that I can do just to keep my head above water, to believe that you're God who was and is and is to come. And right now, show me God. Show me what that person needs who's wrapped up in that lifestyle. Show me what that person, show me how I can love them to you. Show me how you want to use me to transform their life. Show me how to lay hands on them and call that spirit out and call that sickness out. Come on, these are the things we read about in the scripture that God is looking for us to desire and hunger and thirst. And you know what? Keep trying. Keep practicing. Don't quit. It may not have worked the first time. You got to keep going. You learn every time you do it, but God is right there and he's looking for us. He's looking for us. So this, this all transpires. And then something happens with Asa here. And it is comforting to know that we all make mistakes. You know, we walk with God. We're passionate about God, but every single one of us stumbles. Every single one of us trips up and falls. And so it's wonderful to read the scripture and to see what happens in second Chronicles 16. Verse 1, we're going to read through about 10 verses here. And there's two things I want to bring to your attention. Let's read Second Chronicles 16, verse 1. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa. Well, actually, let me go back. I'm going to ask you. How did Asa stand against the 1 million troops in the 300 chariots? What did he do? Tell me. He prayed. What's the first thing he did? We talked about it. Set up battle array. And second thing was? He prayed. He sought the Lord, right? We all agree? Set battle array, sought the Lord. We all agree. We're on the same page. Watch what happens here. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came up against, everyone say against, yes. Judah and built Ramah that he might let none go out or come into Asa. And there's a reason for that because God gave Asa rest in his time. God gave Asa rest because Asa tore down the high places and caused everybody to come back and worship the Lord. Verse two, then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries 
Uh, This is a really important point. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord. So after Asa had earned all these spoils, he had all this silver and gold and he brought it, even his father's portion, he brought it to the house of the Lord and it was to stay there and to be used there. So now in the 36th year of of King Asa reigning, he's now beginning to change what he was doing. Okay, maybe he got comfortable. Maybe he got a little complacent because he thought God has given me rest. That's all I need. Oh, doesn't that somewhat sound like how we can be sometimes? Oh, I already have everything. What I yeah, Oh God, yeah, I got saved. The Lord provided my house. He provided my car. He provided my spouse or he taught me how to live single life. He's given me children. What more do I need? We, we fall into this complacency. And so here's Asa now. And he's now beginning. Look at what he just did. He brought out the silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord. He donated that. He gave that. That didn't belong to him. And look at what he's going to do with it. He brought it out from the house of the Lord and of the king's house. And he sent it to Benadad, king of Syria. This is a neighboring country who dwelt in Damascus. And he said to him, let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. You see, all of us, especially those of us who have been followers of, God for, followers of Christ for a long time, we've watched God operate miraculously. Remember when you first got saved? Those of you who have been saved for a long time, remember when you first, just, just follow me. Close your eyes if you have to. Just look at you however many years ago when you first got saved. Some of you blush because you think about, okay, I was so on fire for Jesus. I wasn't even a normal human being, okay? We, we all of us had that. But then you begin to think about how the Lord led you. And it was very simply like this. The Lord spoke and you did. The Lord spoke and you did. The Lord spoke and you did. And you were like, wow, God speaks to me. This is awesome. And then all of a sudden we begin over time just to do our rituals, just to do our religion. We go to church now because we have to. It's what's right to do. And I'm not saying everybody. Just hear me, folks. We're doing this together, okay? We go to church because we have to. We read our Bible. Sometimes we see a glimmer of something in the scripture. God speaks to us again. But there is this subtle complacency from the wearing and the weighing of the world that is on us. And we begin to forget that God didn't just speak to us all those years ago. That he wants to speak to us now in a fresh word, in a fresh word for today, for you personally, for you personally. How can we survive in a relationship when we don't hear somebody speak? How how could I survive in a relationship with God if I never knew his voice? I'm not going to. And so a lot of people who are falling away are falling away as a result of not either knowing that voice or forgetting that voice and turning to the ways of the world. I wanted to pause there because that's exactly what Asa has done. Asa has realized, okay, and it's been 36 years, God has given us rest, but he began to take it into his own hands. And now he's deciding, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a treaty with Syria so that they can come against Israel and Basha and get them to withdraw from me. Not once did he ask the Lord for his counsel. That is so important. 
There are things that come against us every single day. There are things that come against us every single week. And we need to seek the Lord for his counsel. God, what are you saying in this moment of craziness? What are you saying when it looks like the battle is encamped all around me? Where are you in the midst of it right now? That's what he's looking for. So here's what happens. So Benadad heeded King Asa and sent captains to the armies. Verse 4, captives of the armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked Ejon, Dan, Abel, Maim, and all the stored cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Basha heard, he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work. Somebody might look at that and say, okay, the king made a good move. He got the king of Israel to stop. Then the king Asa took all of Judah. They carried away the stones and the timber of Ramah, which Basha had used for the building. And with them, they built Geba at Mizpah. Okay, a whole lot there that I don't really understand, but we don't just keep moving with me. Verse 7. At that time, Hanani, the seer, okay, this is sort of like a prophet, somebody who sees and seeks the Lord. And Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians, look at now, he's recounting to him what you and I read 10 minutes ago. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, catch this now, friends, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Here is the the sinking scripture. You can bank your life on it. Here is the whole point of today's message. Verse nine, for the eyes of the Lord, run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. You know, God's eyes have not stopped running to and fro throughout the whole earth. You need to highlight that, underline it, commit it to memory. That is one of the very first scriptures that I got a hold of and never, ever shared it before. And it's awesome how God brought it into context today. Second Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, not to judge, but looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. What am I saying? I'm saying, I don't know what the call of God is in your life. I don't know what God has told you to do, but either you do or you're seeking him. And I'm here simply to encourage you to do what is right in the sight of the Lord, to seek the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your might, soul, and strength, with every part of who you are. And if there are false places of worship in your life, allow God to show you. Every single one of us has them. Listen, we go through times in our house and we're like, "Mm, I think we're done with this. We purge all the time because we grow in the Lord. There were things that we thought that were acceptable when we were younger. Paul says, when I was young as a child, I reasoned as a child. But now that I'm a man, I put away childish things. And you know what? One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was all of my music was stolen. My wife's from New Bedford. She's from New Bedford. And there are some tough areas in New Bedford. And I didn't know that. And I left my car unlocked. Yeah, I know. I was 18. I left my car unlocked and Man, they just ransacked the car and took every CD that I had, hundreds of dollars worth of CDs. There was some good stuff there. So they got to worship with Ron Canoli. Uh, but there was, I was like, man, these guys are going to get saved, whoever they are. It's awesome. 
But I had some great stuff in there. But I also had a lot of worldly stuff. You know why? Because I couldn't let go of it. I was still so new in the Lord. And it was like I had this push and pull. And man, when I put on those songs, and guys, there's nothing wrong with those songs. But it's the place they had in my heart. See, I can put them on now and be like, man, that's a good song. That's awesome. It's great. It was wonderful. But it's the place that they kept in my heart because it was the memories that I shared with those songs. Okay, you all know what I'm talking about, okay? So those had to go because they had a hold of my heart. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And I began to realize in that moment, I can live without that. And the more that these things were torn from my life or the more that I was willing to lay them down, the more I began to see the power of God in my life and even just his love. How can we sustain a relationship without love? God's love is there all the time. His voice is always speaking, but we get it muddied with all these other voices that we have creeping in our mind. And so I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is that God's called you to. I don't know if there are high places in your life. And I'm not telling you to go home today and to have a bonfire. I'm sure that would be awesome. Many of us have done that. But what I'm saying is, I love what Pastor John says. He said, don't go on a witch hunt. But when the Lord touches something, when you're in your prayer time and the Lord puts his finger on something, just really pray that through. Say, why, why can't I let go of that? Because I should be willing, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I should be willing to let go of everything in my life that he asks for. And I know we say it, and I know we preach it, but in that moment when the Lord puts his finger on it, and it's not bad. I was praying yesterday and the Lord's reminding me he's never ever looking to take something from me. He's only looking to get something to me. The problem is the placeholder. The problem is I have something in the space that he needs. Do you understand? Are you following with me? Are you tracking with me? I have shoved a square peg into a round hole and he needs to remove that square peg so that he can bring in what properly fits. And only he can do that. So I don't know. I don't know what the Lord has called you to, but I am here to exhort you as, a, as just a fellow brother and a follower of Jesus Christ. We're all in this together. And I'm telling you, find out what God has for you to do and do it with all of your heart and never quit and never relent and never be satisfied until you see until you see it, whether you see it physically or not, until you see it come to pass. But the only way it's going to happen is when we allow God to tear down those high places in our life. I'd like to share one more thing with you as we bring this to a close. Uh, as Pastor John shared, um, 16 years ago, this August, next month, 16 years ago, next month, I heard the voice of the Lord in a, in a very powerful way. And that word was for me. And I'm not even going to share it. I've shared it with some, but I'm not going to share it because it was for Kurt. But that came only after eight months of the Lord tearing down the idols of my life. All the false places of worship that I had lifted up. And it was August of 2003 and there was a guest minister who was here. And he talked about doing something in that moment. And in that moment, we would, we would hear from the Lord. And I, I did something in that moment. And you know, God will work God works through so much. You know, even if somebody's not doing something exactly right, for those who are hungry and thirsty, God will show himself strong, right? He will reveal himself. And so I just cling to that word and I applied it and I saw the Lord, the Lord speak to me and move in my life. And I've had that word in my life for 16 years and we are about to step out and fulfill that word. I can't tell you how happy I am, how painful it is to have a word from the Lord and to know you've never done it 
right? And I've got to tell you, for those of you who have been hanging on to that word, can I just encourage you to do it? Can I just encourage you to stop trying to figure out exactly how it's going to happen and just go after it with all of your might? Because that word came from the Lord. Once you can really settle on the fact that you know the word came from the Lord, can I just encourage you to do it with all that you are? Because God's been waiting for us. He's been waiting for us to take him at his word. And he knows there are things that we don't understand. But if we're willing to go and follow, he will reveal every step along the way. He will do it so that he gets the glory. Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's pray today. Father, I want to thank you again for this awesome privilege to share your word with your people. You love these people more than I ever could. And I just want to thank you that you have given me the opportunity to share your good news with people here today, Father. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us as we begin to seek and search our hearts. I pray that uh, because your Holy Spirit brings conviction, we could easily know. There's no condemnation because we're in Christ Jesus. But as your Holy Spirit brings conviction, help us to let go of those areas of our life. Help us to let go of the things that we know we should, but we just can't seem to separate. Father, I'm praying today by faith that for everyone who's willing to step out, and as we said, not go on a witch hunt and tear down everything that's in their house, but literally follow your Spirit, how you're leading each and every one of us to let go of certain things that are taking space in our heart. I pray by faith right now for everyone who is willing to step out and answer that call, for everyone who is willing to do it, that they're going to have the strength and the peace to do it because it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by your spirit, Lord. And so we thank you right now that for everyone who be willing to take you at your word, you will show yourself strong. Because God, you are faithful. God, you are faithful when we are faithless. And you always stand by your word to perform it. So I thank you right now for each and every individual who's willing to take you at your word. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes.